is Baseball Tonight, the podcast. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday. uh, Let me start again. This is the Baseball Tonight podcast for Monday, July 31st, 2023. We're actually taping it, though, on late Sunday night at Camden Yards. Today will be better than yesterday. I'm Buster Olney. Uh, I've got alongside me, we have Todd Radin, we have Sarah Abbott, we have Taylor Schwink. This was fun, guys, hanging out together. Uh, it, it was just a mix of a whole lot of different stuff. And Taylor, for you, a big weekend because the Orioles took two out of three from the Yankees. Oh, man. Took the, the season series. I mean, it's it's a good time to be an Orioles fan, you guys, and a great time to be together in person. Lots of friendship time this weekend. It's been awesome. Exactly. Sarah, you guys did a lot of stuff today, too. Interviews on the street? Yes, we did a lot of people on the street interviews. So be sure to check that out on Buster Social Media, on YouTube Shorts. We got to talk to a lot of different people. Um, got like 12,000 steps in, so that is exciting. So sweaty right now. So sweaty. <laughs> <laughs> but so you guys sweaty. were lucky. It wasn't as hot today as it was yesterday. True. It was oh actually pretty nice. Yeah. It would have been a puddle. Yeah. Uh, and Todd Radom, you got to do a lot of different stuff, including speak with the umpires. That was fun to bring you the got umpires room before the, the game. We had a, uh, you know, what stays in the umpire room, what happens there stays there. Let's put it that way. <laughs> but yeah, that was kind of fun. And like everybody said, just being together, what a rare occasion. We got to do it more often. Take yeah. the show on the road. And Baltimore is just great. It's great to see this city uh, electric with such enthusiasm. Great ball club. You got the Yankees in town. And uh, we're, we, we saw it all today. It was great. Well, during today's podcast, uh, we're going to be hearing your uh, Forgotten Franchise segment and the quiz, which had some stakes on it today. Mm-hmm. Uh, Taylor, sadly for you, we had some yeah, stakes on little, it today. A little bit of a tease there. Yeah, exactly. We also spoke with Melanie Newman, of course, a broadcaster of Baltimore Oriole Games, and Eduardo Perez joined us. So a range of things to go. But first, Taylor, I want you to start off with our scoreboard. Thank you, Buster. Wow, what a weekend in Major League Baseball. We had huge trade news Big results. Let's get into it. The headline over the weekend, of course, the Mets agree to trade Max Scherzer to the Texas Rangers. Max Scherzer approved the trade, and as a part of it, Scherzer opts into 2024 with the Rangers. This was after Scherzer officially declared himself disgruntled on Friday after the Mets traded closer David Robertson. And amidst all this, Mets GM Billy Epler said the Mets aren't having a fire sale. This seems pretty fire sale to me, but maybe me and old Bill have different definitions of that term. We're going to circle back on this. Uh, the Rangers, they weren't done. They acquired Jordan Montgomery as well from the Cardinals, along with reliever Chris Stratton. The timing is good for Texas, with Nathan Avaldi hitting the injured list Sunday with forearm tightness. On the field, this weekend wasn't as kind to the Rangers, with the Padres busting out the brooms on Texas. Berg from the third base side of the rubber deal. Sanchez hits one in the air to deep center field. Tavares going back at the wall. It's going to go. Second consecutive inning that Gary Sanchez goes deep. And the Padres add on. It's 4-1. to one. That sound from 97.3. The fan Padres win Sunday 5-3. The Cubs ripped off eight straight wins and officially decided to stay the course. They're angling for a playoff spot. They pulled Cody Bellinger off the trade market. Unfortunately for Chicago, that winning streak came to an end against the Cardinals with help from Paul Goldschmidt. Goldschmidt breaks his bat, loops it in the left, base hit. A broken bat RBI single for Goldschmidt. Cardinals have added on. They lead 3-0. That sound from the Cardinals radio network 
Cardinals win three to nothing. The Cardinals also offloaded reliever Jordan Hicks to the Toronto Blue Jays. Is what the Cardinals, what they're doing right now, would Billy Epler consider that a fire sale? Hmm. Hmm. The Dodgers continue to make moves, acquiring Lance Lynn and Joe Kelly from the White Sox. And I got to wonder here, we're all thinking it. Would Billy Epler consider what the White Sox are doing a fire sale? I'd be very interested to hear his thoughts on both of those squads. Anyway, the Dodgers also saw J.D. Martinez and Will Smith leave in a blowout loss to the Reds. Here's Ellie De La Cruz doing something cool in that route. He cuts it loose. And this ball is smashed deep to right field, way out of here. 4 nothing Reds for Ellie De La Cruz, his seventh home run. Cincinnati wins 9 to nothing. that sound from 700 WLW. The Reds gave David Bell a three-year contract extension on Saturday, and with that win on Sunday, the Reds take over first place in the NL Central with a win and a brave sweep of the Brewers this weekend. Ouch! Which was your favorite Matt Olson home run on Sunday? I like this one in the bottom of the eighth. Righty deals. 1-1 on the way and a bullet to deep right field. Back there towards the bullpen. You didn't think he would. He just did. A two-run homer. And he puts the Braves on top again. It's 8-6 to six in the eighth. Braves win 8-6. to six. That sound from 680, the fan. The Atlanta Braves acquired infielder Nicky Lopez from the Kansas City Royals on Sunday in exchange for left-hander Taylor Hearn. Taylor Gang, very interesting weekend for the Angels. They are throwing the kitchen sink at trying to make the playoffs and uh, in an effort to prove their undying, everlasting love for Shohei Otani. We'll see if it works. They acquire CJ Crone and Randall Grichuk from the Rockies, bolstering their lineup. Will all of these moves work? Buster and Company, they'll discuss that coming up shortly. Shohei Otani hit his major league leading 39th home run Friday against the Blue Jays, but he was removed from the game for the second straight day because of cramps. Elsewhere in Angels Land, Phil Nevin suspended and fined by Major League Baseball after he got into it with an umpire on Saturday. The Angels avoided a sweep against the Blue Jays, courtesy of Hunter Renfro, top of the 10th. And here's the next pitch, and there's a swing and a ball that's lifted high, and it's hit deep down the left side, and that ball is out of here! Hunter Renfro comes through here in the 10th inning. That's a two-run homer. The first hit the Angels have had the entire series with a runner in scoring position, and the Angels lead it 3-1. to one. Angels win 3-1. to one. That sound from 570 AM LA. A few more results for you. The Rays take the weekend series against the Astros, and Brandon Lau has been heating up since the All-Star break. And now the pitch. Swing and a long drive to right field. Headed for the stands and gone. A two-run homer by Brandon Lau, and the Rays have an answer, and they lead 8-2 to two in Houston. Rays win that 8-2, that sound from 620 WDAE. On the one-year anniversary of the Mariners acquiring Luis Castillo before last year's trade deadline, he goes out and shuts down the Diamondbacks, and J.P. Crawford led the way at the plate. 3-1 pitch. Swing on, driven deep to right, down the line. Looks like it's going to stay fair. It does. Hey, now. Home run, J.P. Crawford. 3-0 Seattle here in the second inning. That sound from Seattle Sports, 7.10 a.m. Seattle takes two of three from the Diamondbacks. Arizona is in a bit of a tailspin at the moment. 7.16 in the month of July. Woof. And finally, 
The reason we've all gathered here this weekend in Baltimore, Sunday night baseball, Orioles, Yankees. And before we get to the highlights, I think we need to look back at how the weekend started. There was a two and a half hour rain delay on Friday. A pitching duel between Garrett Cole and rookie Grayson Rodriguez broke out. And then it was Anthony Santander who sent everyone home. Canley from the belt brings it. Santander hits it deep. Right field. Stan doesn't move. This baby is out of here. And this game is over. Anthony Santander drives it over the wall. And it's walk-off number five of the year for the Orioles. Santander, your Friday night hero. You had to wait a long time for it. But as the clock is a little past midnight, Anthony Santander is the one who sends everyone home happy. That sound from my guy, Jeff Arnold and WBAL. And real quick, I just got to shout out all the really cool folks at the Orioles uh, who we we hung out with this weekend. They were so great, so hospitable. We're going to hear from Melanie Newman shortly. She rules, obviously. Jeff, as I mentioned, Brett Hollander, an absolute dude. Fellow Terp, Reese Levin. Ben freaking McDonald. Swung through to say hello. Tessa Sayers in the PR office. Great to shake hands. Say what's up. So much fun at the yard this weekend. Orioles lose on Saturday night to the Yankees. And now we are back to Sunday night baseball where the game was basically over from the jump. According to ESPN stats and information, the Orioles scored six runs before recording their first out in the first inning on Sunday. That ties their most before recording an out in the expansion era. Tony Taters got it started with a double. Here's the one, two. Swing and a line drive. That's a base hit into right field. In to score is Rutschman. Henderson on his horse. He'll stop at third, throw into second, tag, and save. Santander got his hand in ahead of the tag from Volpe. It's an RBI double, and it's 1-0 Baltimore. Ryan O'Hearn decided early on that he wanted in on the action. He would be on the action all day. He continues to rake. And like I said, he wanted to get in on it. And what Ryan O'Hearn wants, Ryan O'Hearn gets. Kicks, fires. Swing and a line drive. Base hit, slicing down the left field line. In to score is Henderson. Santander at his heels. In to second is O'Hearn. And it's 3-0 Orioles. But it was power hitter Adam Frazier who really blew the roof off the joint. The pitch. Swing and a high fly ball. Right field. Way back and gone. Way out of here. He crushed it. Over the high wall and right out to Utah Street. And it's all Orioles here tonight. 6-0 Baltimore. Frazier a three-run jack. So you can imagine at this point, I'm enjoying myself watching the game in the press box with Sarah and Todd. It's true. I was. And then Gunnar Henderson took things next level. The pitch. Swing and a line drive off the bat of Gunnar Henderson. That'll roll. It'll split the gap in right center. Rutschman racing for third. They're going to send him. Rutschman around third. The relay throw is dropped by Torres. Rutschman is in. It's an RBI double for Gunnar Henderson. And the Orioles get a run back. It's 8-2. That's the legend, Boog Shambi, on the call for ESPN Radio. Orioles win 9-2. Baltimore struck out 18 Yankees over the course of this game. 18. Is that a lot? ESPN Stats and Info told me there's 27 outs in a baseball game, so it seems seems like it. The Orioles claim the season series against New York and maintain a one-and-a-half game lead in the AL East over the Rays. I couldn't have scripted it better myself. A lot of fun, a lot of fun sitting back and watching the O's tear up the Yanks. 
Uh, before I turn it over to Buster and more from Camden Yards, I quickly want to plug the College Game Day podcast with Reese Davis and Pete Thamel. It's officially conference preview season. The guys are starting their journey in the Big Ten on Tuesday. We are really excited to get cracking on these. Football is nearly here. Listen to Reese and Pete preview the Big Ten wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. And as of Tuesday, all their shows available to watch on YouTube. How great is that? You can now stream the most MLB games on DirecTV without a satellite dish. Yes, the clutch hits, the strikeouts, grand salamis, web gems, with nothing on your roof. So whoever's up there, whether it's roofers, Santa, birds, old-timey chimney sweeps, moody teenagers, thrill-seeking raccoons, you name it, they won't find a satellite dish. But you will find your MLB games on DirecTV. That means DirecTV is your home for baseball this season. Root, 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 with nothing on your roof. Call 1-800-DIRECTV or visit directtv.com. Sign up today. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. We're driven by the search for better. When it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster, 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash Buster. Just go to Indeed.com slash Buster right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash Buster. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, we're here with Eduardo Perez, of course, an analyst on Sunday Night Baseball, Melanie Newman, broadcaster, Boreal Games, and guys, what a fun weekend. Melanie, to be here in Camden Yards again. Uh, I, I mean, you get to be here every day. I'm jealous <laughs> of what I used to be able to do. It's, you know, it's, it's come a long way, Buster, and what's really cool about it, we, we complain, but back in the day, the last couple of years, you could kind of get wherever you wanted to go. If I had to be at the warehouse, that's a two-minute walk. We're taking tunnels now. We're figuring it out because this place <laughs> has been packed, and fans realize that. Not only is it a winning team, it's guys that are lovable, and I think that goes a long way, too. It creates individual storylines that you want to root for in addition to it. When you get an AL East matchup, it's, it's cake. Now, you have warm feelings about this park because you had two home, a two-homer game, your first two homers in this park. What was it like for you here this weekend? It was phenomenal. One, one thing about the story about those two home runs, and it was against Arthur Rhodes, it was I actually, my aunt left, my aunt told me, she said, I need you to do me a favor. Can you leave four tickets for four nuns? friends of mine next thing you know they i left them the tickets but they put them out there in left field so i had two home runs to left field i was like can the nuns follow me around the rest of the league because i felt the power at that moment with them but this ballpark uh it's it's very special to be a part of yeah and just want to say for a moment the reason why we got started right there is taylor fell into a garbage can (laughs) behind the scenes (laughs) 
Okay. Well, it, 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 I think it took us all aback. Melanie, tell us about the Orioles right now, where they stand, because I don't think this was a statement series, but against the Yankee team that's trying to catch them, felt like a good series. It's weird saying it's the last time they see the Yankees and we're in July. I think that was kind of what everybody was trying to grasp from the writers to the clubhouse that, you know, it does matter. You want to walk away knowing that you've taken care of business because this determines if there was a tiebreaker, the Orioles take the season series just the same way they did. Tampa Bay has to come in and sweep if they want to take advantage of the Orioles there. Right now it's the O's with the upper hand. So the boys have been really good about kind of keeping that focus locked in. You wanted to win Philly, yes, but it's National League. So it is what it is. You saved your bullpen for this series in particular. You know you have Toronto coming up. But focus on the ones where you can make, like, that biggest advancement ahead because, again, they've been 22 years old and in March in Sarasota going, no, we're going to the playoffs, and they don't really care what anybody else has to say. Yeah, and the Yankees, it it felt weird at Water, like the final game of this series and Aaron Judge is not in the lineup. We spent so much time texting back and forth during the day, you, Carl, myself, David Cohn, about that decision because it just seems weird. That he would be in the lineup on Friday as a designated hitter, then on Saturday in right field, and then today he's out of the lineup predetermined. And when we talked to Aaron Boone about it, he said, yeah, that's the way we want to go. We want to keep him healthy. He was taking batting practice early on. He was available to pinch hit. So why didn't he DH? It seemed weird. And you challenged Booney a little bit in our meeting with him before. Kind of put him on the spot in a cool way. I had to, right? The lineup's there. I'm like, look, if I'm Aaron Judge and I wanted to know, did he pick up the lineup and he said, try again? Uh, wrong lineup. Try again. And if he would have said, you're not in it, try again. Look, he's the captain. And I think what Melanie said was, is really important. This series meant more than just any series. Why? Because if they take the series, it's a tiebreaker. Why wouldn't Aaron Judge be a part of this? Well, look, I think if the Yankees would have gone somewhere else to play besides back home tomorrow, we might we might have seen Aaron Judge in this lineup. Instead, they're going back to Yankee Stadium and seven games at home. Most likely, Aaron Judge will play those seven games. So you think he was not in a lineup in part because they want him to play in front of the home crowd? I believe that's part of it. I wow. believe also that you need they, rest. They don't 42 feel like they games. have that kind of margin for error he right missed, now, he though. Missed, you're absolutely right. He missed 42 games, but the toe was sore. That's what Aaron told us, yeah. Boone. And Aaron Judge wasn't happy, but he understands the process, and he wants to be there for the majority of the games. He does. He wants to be as close to 100% as he can be, and right now, if he's 80%, I'll take a 60% Aaron Judge yes. right now over everybody else. Why? Because he makes everybody around in that lineup better. He makes them focus a little bit more, and he stabilizes the lineup like no other player does in the big leagues. Were you surprised Melanie didn't play? I was, and it was interesting because I hadn't looked at the lineup yet today, being that I didn't have to work, thanks to you two. And (laughs) just being outside of the stadium, there were already the murmurs, and it wasn't just Yankees fans. It was Orioles fans saying, why is he not in the lineup? You know, it's like you want the best. We don't want to say, oh, you won because Aaron Judge wasn't in the lineup that day. No, they want to see him. And I would understand to a degree if this was out before he was reactivated. We're going to have to take it no more than two days at a time. We want to see how the foot reacts. But that didn't come out. So you do kind of wonder – why would you not, again, in a series where you come in even, have your best guy on the field? All right, what are the Orioles going to do before the trade deadline? Everyone's wondering. What I hear from other teams is they, they sense that they're going to do something measured. Uh, I just totally speculated and dreamed. I said, look, that if you see what happened with Scherzer getting traded to the Rangers, and you know the Mets are willing to eat a lot of money, and the Orioles have this loaded uh, farm system, 
thought, man, what a perfect fit Justin Verlander if he were to approve the trade. He has a full no-trade clause. It would be like coming home for him. It really would be, and that's kind of cool. And, and the thing is, unless we're trying to blueprint to play like Miami, where we have eight second basemen and shortstops on the field, we have to deal some of these guys at some point. I love the Verlander. That was one that hadn't really been brought up to me lately. Of course, I'd heard Giolito and all these right. others floating around, Jordan Montgomery. Um, I've heard Eduardo Rodriguez, and I kind of love that as a guy who knows the AL East and can go out there and get the job done. I know they were looking at Alex Lang at one point, but I think you do realize that at some point, especially with the way some other people have bulked up you have to have a big arm to go through um, and, and when you look at the bullpen as well I think you find another high leverage guy there Fujinami is a great step forward but we're at the point where there are really no lev low leverage games for the Orioles this year it's like every single game is a one-run game so you don't really need them you need stretch guys and you need the high leverage that can go seven eight nine and shut it down and so I'm curious to see if they can find a package deal with somebody but at least two arms coming here in two different roles. And it does feel like the pitching staff's a little gassed. Uh, we've seen Tyler Wells being sent to the minor leagues in part to give him a bit of a break. What did you think of the Scherzer trade? Wow. Um, I think it's going to make a lot more money with no taxes there in Texas. I'll tell you that. That's, that's the first thing that came through my mind. It's, it's Bruce Bochy and Chris Young letting everybody know we're here to win. And they understand how important it is because the Houston Astros are getting healthy. So they need to strike first, and I think they have struck first. They started with the bullpen, getting some help for the bullpen. They realized they needed some more starting pitching. They get uh, Scherzer now at that point. I was wondering, and I asked a lot of my friends, if you had your choice between Scherzer and Verlander, who would you go with this year and for next year? A lot of people said Verlander. Why? Because his arm is, is not as taxed as Scherzer's is this year because he started on the IL, and he's proven to be pretty nasty the last four outings. But at the same time, Max Scherzer brings an element of competitiveness. He has also the pedigree, and I love what Max Scherzer can bring. Now, can he take it down the stretch? Last year he got tired, and that's the big question. Will he get fatigued? in Texas. The good thing, and you brought it up in the game, he's back with Mike Maddox. And I think that plays in a major way because Max is very, very methodical with how he prepares, and Mike Maddox doesn't have to now learn how he prepares because he knows how Max Scherzer prepares. Now, the Mets are going to go forward. They're having conversations with other teams about Verlander. Uh, the blueprint is out there. The Mets are willing to eat a lot of money in these deals. $35 million out of $57 million owed to Scherzer to make this happen, to get this high-end prospect. Uh, if you are the Dodgers, if you're the Orioles, you can have a conversation potentially about this. I, I actually like the uh, the Mets uh, making a choice this way, going this route, because it feel like to just run it back in 2024 with Scherzer and Verlander a year older, that to me would have been a, a, a almost malpractice based on what we've seen this year. What do you think? Uh, from and I'm going into the football side of things here, but I've watched coaches with excellent recruiting, and they get, uh, you know, they're at a mid-major, and they get a big guy from the ACC and the SEC, all these good names, and then they don't pan out because something's just not clicking right. on that level. And I think that's kind of the case of the Mets right now. They got all these big names, but the puzzle pieces aren't for the same puzzle. Like they just don't work. So ex exactly, why would you stick with this ignorant belief of well, what we have isn't working, but maybe it will work next year? You just need a little extra time. Major League Baseball doesn't afford you time. We've all seen that. You have one year, and it's it's got to be a teardown, a rebuild. What's going on? So yeah, sell sell it off, find better pieces. I think that's what Mike Elias has done so well with the Orioles. Is every piece they've gotten 
fits so well together on that character chemistry level that you can't teach somebody. You either have it or you don't. Now, let me add to that real quick, because I would say that this season, I thought the New York Mets were actually no just as good or probably even better than the Atlanta Braves. But then Edwin Diaz goes down and it just started crumbling. As soon as he went down, you could tell not only it was a team Puerto Rico that also started crumbling, but the New York men's, Mets fan base and the team also started crumbling. And because of that, everything at the back end had to be restructured. This is a team that actually lost a lot of leads. And they had a lot of leads from the sixth inning on this year. And they were not able to close the door down. Why? Because their sixth inning guy was thrown in the seventh. Seventh in the eighth. And Robertson who got dealt to the Marlins, was thrown in the ninth. You just did not have that balanced power, and it all started with Edwin Diaz, the most prolific closer last year, all of a sudden goes down. That's a major piece. And I think right here, psychologically, it plays into the Major League Baseball players. I'll add this because we're in Baltimore. If the Orioles don't make a move like they did not last year and they traded two big pieces away, Jorge Lopez and also Mancini, if they do not make a move, I think it sends a message to that clubhouse of the front office saying, we're still not ready. We're moving up where we want to be, and we trust in you guys that are here, but we don't know how far we can get in the postseason because of the innings limits. And I think that's why they have to at least make a move to keep at least the morale of the team up for the last few months of the season. Eduardo, you were in the conversation I was in when uh, we got word of the trade Jordan Montgomery to the Rangers, and one member in the uh, Orioles clubhouse just gave this deep sigh, like, oh, <laughs> like they have another guy come off the board starting pitching, so they're looking for help. The Angels continue to be aggressive. What do you think? I, I don't know that I'm buying in yet. I, I think this is a very similar situation. The Yankees without Judge, you just said it, the Mets without Diaz. The Angels, it's Trout or Otani, and it seems like Rendon. they only get one or the yeah. other at one piece. Right. Rendon's not healthy. I, I think it's so heavily reliant, and they're not do they're still not doing enough. That's the problem. They've spent so much, and they've got good names, but it's not enough. You can't live on Trout and Otani. It's just not sustainable. I mean, he can't pitch every single game, and so I, I think I'm still waiting to see too much of a lottery yes, ticket? Yes, 100%. I, I don't think it's a lot. I think actually Artie Moreno is doing good business. Now, it might not be the baseball Wait a second. Business. This is a 180 from what you said two weeks ago on no, air. No, but I'm talking about <laughs> I'm not talking about the baseball business of oh, okay. winning ballgames. <laughs> I'm talking about the baseball business that he's in of making money. I love and that he's understand, buying. Understand, yeah, but the reasons he's buying – I don't think our baseball not the wins playoffs. related. He's not. It's not no. about making the playoffs. It's uh, about re-signing Otani. It's about re-signing Otani. And he'll make moves. He'll bring in players. He'll say, look, I support you. This is what we want to do. But this is going to be part of the selling of the Angels towards Otani, saying we want you to be an Angel for life, and we will do whatever it takes to get you back here and you be that Angel for life. I, personally, I'm a baseball guy. I want to win. And when the Angels said, we're not selling, I was like, wow. How long is this going to be a step back or forward economically for Artie Moreno for the last two months? It's a step forward economically. But on the winning standpoint, I have my doubts. Let's go a little rapid fire. I'll oh, throw boy. a team, a situation at oh, you. Padres supposedly <laughs> you on the first. fence talking with general managers about whether to buy or sell. 
they could potentially market Snell, and uh, they could could potentially market Josh Hader. Which way would you go if you're AJ Preller? I was really prepared for you to ask me who they're going to take here. Yeah, yeah. This, this put me on my head a little bit. I, I do think you sell because I think it's another similar situation. All of these big, bright, amazing puzzle pieces work. and it doesn't work. And now you've saddled yourself, it feels like, to 50 10-year contracts. That means you're going to have a team that doesn't work until they're in their 40s. So I think you do. You take the two pieces it's going to be painful, but you can live without Snell. You can live without Hater. Right. You're going to kind of limp along the rest of the way, but the gain back from that, if you're doing smart business, is going to overall boost what you're trying to do in the future. Just recognizing what we just did right now doesn't work. But I mean, I'm just saying, Hater's a Maryland native. It just makes sense. There to you me. go. Is Coming this, back. Is this pitch. rapid fire? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I really like. Is this the first time we work together like it this? Is. We do something because I think that they should go for it. I think that the San well, Diego. Well, you said on air tonight that you think they're it. the most dangerous team in baseball. I think that if the San Diego Padres make the postseason, they are the most dangerous team in the postseason. They have the starting pitching. They have the closer. They have the bats. They have everything there. All they need is a wake-up call. And I have a feeling sometimes they look like they're too... And that's my I, problem. They need I felt like they needed it last year, and I never saw it last year. The word is comfortable because everybody's locked up. But now when the pressure's on, I think this is where Manny, Manny Machado, who has started hitting now, and Soto, who's raking, the rest of the crew, I think, is going to wake up. And if they do, this is a dangerous team in the postseason, starting and in bullpen. All right, this was definitely not rapid fire. I told you. I'll give you one more before you go. Tell me about the Chicago Cubs. Uh, What would you do? They apparently have told teams that uh, Cody Bellinger's off the market, but they still have Marcus Stroman out there, which makes me think they're going to do that Billy Bean nuanced buy and sell. Look, Rapid fire or not? <laughs> you got 10 seconds. I no. got 10 seconds. Cody Bellinger, this was a huge year for him, and I was concerned with the first two years because of the cold weather in Chicago. He pulled through, and he turned it on right after right after June. So as far as I'm concerned, let's go buy. You are close in that division. Anything can happen. And I'm, I'm buying because Stroman wants to be a Cub for as far as anybody can see. So go ahead and give him the extension. Go ahead and pick that up. Buy to bolster around that. I think the minute you say you're not going to deal Cody Bellinger, then go for it. David Ross is a player's manager. It's so easy to have that clubhouse to push forward if they make a change. And it does feel like as the season's played out, there are no dominant teams. Like even the Atlanta Braves, who are the best regular season team, they're pitching needs help. And we've seen Alex Anthopoulos added uh, before the deadline. And we don't know what is going to be of Max Freed. We really don't. Uh, all these guys that are coming up back from the IL, yeah. who are they going to be when they come back? That's a huge question here. Who's, you know, Zach, if it's, if it's means, is he going to be right. the lefty that he's we've seen in the time. past? But he's been out for a while. Yeah. All right. Eduardo, Melanie, thank you. Thank you. You got it. Thank you. Todd Radom is the chief executive of our weekly quiz. He's a graphic artist whose work can be seen on ball fields all across America, all around the world, or you can go to his website, toddradom.com, or I can turn to my left and see Todd Radom. Todd, you're Camden Yards. Thank you. Buster, we're at Camden Yards. I can't believe it. We, we put the band together, not back together, but together. It's so good to see everybody. Nice. Yeah. So what's it like being back here? I mean, a great stadium. It has aged well. There's magic in the air because the Orioles are back on top for now, at least. But uh, enthusiasm reigns, and what a beautiful ballpark. 
So tell me, this is the first time you guys have hung out with Todd, mm -hmm. right? It's yep. the first time you spent time with him in person. What are your impressions? Todd is a wonderful man. I mean, what what a, what a treasure trove of knowledge. I think I might need to start cutting this off, Todd. <laughs> it's way too nice. Uh, either that or I'm hiring Taylor as my agent and, yeah. you know, taking it to a whole other place. Uh, yeah, I'm in. I had a great time with Todd. Oh. Yeah, it was so much fun to all be together and to hang out. And it was great. Well, I apologize to all of you in person. The Max Scherzer thing was going down last night. Right, right. Thought we were going to do Sports Center. I'm checking my phone every two minutes. You know, we, we blame was, the Mets, Buster. That's all. Yeah. Well, a lot of people are blaming the Mets these days. That's true. All right, let's get to this week's Forgotten Field, which is related, as you know, tangentially to this ballpark. Yeah. So let's talk about Comiskey Park. So, Buster, it was called the Baseball Palace of the World. It hosted the first All-Star Game, Disco Demolition Night, the Beatles, and the first exploding scoreboard in Major League Baseball history, along with some 6,247 MLB games over its 80-year lifespan. Comiskey Park, longtime home of the Chicago White Sox, was designed by architect Zachary Taylor Davis, who later went on to design Wrigley Field. It was huge, constructed on 14 acres, purchased from the family of former Chicago Mayor John Wentworth for $150,000. The cornerstone was laid on St. Patrick's Day, March 17, 1910. A lone green brick served as a reminder of the fact that White Sox owner Charles Comiskey, the son of an Irish immigrant, was putting down roots in the Irish-American Bridgeport neighborhood of Chicago. The ballpark was quickly constructed and it made its debut on July 1st, 1910, a 90-plus degree day, probably not unlike today, as a matter of fact, which featured a lengthy pregame ceremony that included an automobile parade and performances by five different bands. The Sox lost to the St. Louis Browns that day, but the American League baseball scene had arrived to stay on the south side. Comiskey Park was a modern marvel built entirely of steel and concrete, not unlike this place, and it seated 32,000 spectators when it first opened. 12,000 tons of steel went into the place, and its facade was lined with brick arches, offering up views of the surrounding neighborhood and of the city. Early in its history, the ballpark hosted three consecutive World Series. 1917, when the White Sox beat the Giants. 1918, when the Cubs moved there temporarily and lost to the Boston Red Sox and 1919 when the infamous Black Sox lost to the Cincinnati Reds. Over the ensuing decades, it served as the hub of Negro Leagues baseball. Comiskey Park was expanded in the 20s. Lights were added in 1939. The team hosted one final fall classic there in 1959 when they lost to the Los Angeles Dodgers. By the 1980s, Comiskey was showing its age. New ownership spent $20 million on repairs but it was clear that they wanted something new and something very soon. They set their eyes on a publicly funded facility in the Chicago area. And when that fell through, the team very nearly moved to St. Petersburg, Florida. We've talked about that before. Funds for a new publicly financed Comiskey Park were secured, but fans and observers wondered why the old park could not be saved. Paul Goldberger, writing in the New York Times, noted that Wrigley Field got all the attention, but, and I quote, Comiskey is more real, a glorious, raunchy old place that has nothing picturesque about it at all. Over the years, Comiskey Park has been pushed and pulled and altered and expanded every which way, and it is so tough it never loses an ounce of its character. Wrigley is the field of dreams, but Comiskey is Chicago. The final game at Old Comiskey Park took place on September 30th, 1990. The White Sox defeated the Seattle Mariners 2-1 
to close things out. 33 years after its finale, old Comiskey's home plate is commemorated with a marble plaque next to U.S. Cellular Field's Gate 5, or guaranteed rate, as we now call it, in parking lot B. Close your eyes, conjure up the ghosts of the 1919 Black Sox, think about the millions of fans who passed through the turnstiles there, and imagine Comiskey Park, which is this week's Forgotten Field. Very nicely done, as always. Thank you. Uh, we'll have to explain why this ballpark here in Baltimore is related to Comiskey. Because the story goes that the White Sox had the first shot at the plans to the ballpark that would become Camden Yards. Oh. Yeah, and I remember Buster driving past uh, the, the under construction Comiskey Park 2, 1989, 1990. And I thought it was so cool because it looked a little like the old Comiskey Park because they incorporated those arched windows. But boy, they, they got it wrong, they blew it, and they had to spend a <laughs> lot of money very, very soon to uh, kind of devolve it and make it into what it is today, which is actually a pretty good ballpark. Yeah, and, and it's really not fair comparison because, of course, part of the reason why Camden Yards is so great is because the neighborhood that it dropped into. To have the, the warehouse be on right field, that's not something you would have had at the other ballpark, but it, uh, man, what yeah. could have been, that's for sure. What could have been. All right, let's get to this week's quiz. We get to do this all in person, crowd gathering behind us. <laughs> <laughs> all right, and I'll just take note of the standings right now. Buster with nine wins, Sarah with seven, and Taylor pulling up the rear with five. Mm. So is there a home team advantage this week? We're about to find out, Taylor. What did Baltimore's National Association Club of the early 1870s feature across the front of their jerseys? Oh, boy. Was it A, the words Lord Baltimore's? Was it B, the coat of arms of Lord Calvert? Was it C, a canary? Or was it D, an Oriole? The 1870s Baltimore National Association Club, did their jerseys say Lord Baltimore's, the, lo the coat of arms of Lord Calvert, a canary, or an Oriole bird? All right, Maryland guy, you get the first shot at this one. Oh. Hmm. I'm going to rule out Lord Baltimore's. I'm going to rule out the Orioles. Why? Why are you ruling out these as you go? Uh, the Lord Baltimore's, I don't know. It just It's not It's not vibing with me. The Orioles, I'm going to say no. That seems too obvious. Leaning Canaries because weird bird obsessions in the 1800s, sure. But I'm going to go with the coat of arms. Sarah? Oh. I was going to pick that, too, but I feel like I can't have the same answer as Taylor, so I'm going to go A. I'm also going to go A. Well, it seems there is a home field advantage here oh, in Baltimore, oh. Maryland, because their uniforms featured the coat of arms of Lord Calvert. They wore yellow silk jerseys, argyle socks, and mustardy-colored pants, and they were commonly known as the mustard trousers. Oh, Congratulations, oh. Taylor. I needed a win. I was desperate for it. <laughs> wow. Home field cooking right here. Yeah, and you're undefeated in your home park. Yes. Right? Yeah, I love yeah. that. Exactly. Wow. You're going to do a bonus? We're going to do a Baltimore. Oh, Are we going to talk about funny. the stakes, by the way, as we go through this? Well, I guess, yeah. So we're going to, I will lean it on this question, but um, really there's a punishment that's only designed for me, which I find to be unfair, but... Uh, if I lose this question, I have to wear a Yankees hat here at the stadium wow. and uh, take a picture and post it to social oh media. Oh, my gosh. So yeah. um, pretty harrowing stuff for me right now. Okay. All right. So this is just between Sarah and Taylor, right? Yep. This is what we're doing. All right, guys. According to New Era, how many stitches are there in the logo of the Chicago Cubs on their cap? Closest to the pin wins. Okay. How many stitches oh in the Chicago God. Cubs logo? Oh, my God. What a question. Logo? 
Oh, there's no multiple choice? <laughs> no, no. Which, uh, there's got to wow. be a winner and on, a loser. On the, on the logo. On the logo. How many stitches? Okay. I feel like we need to flip a coin to see who goes no, first. Oh, goes first. <laughs> I'll just, yeah. Um, let's say... <laughs> 2,200? Are you going to do a Price is Right thing? <laughs> That's exactly what I was going to oh do. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> Poor Price Taylor. Is right. Okay, what was it? What did you 2, say? 2,200. I'm going to go 2,201. It is 2,574. Oh, no. There is no home field advantage. Oh. Wow. <laughs> At least now. So, Taylor, the humiliation will be tangible. Oh, my yeah. God. Oh, That's real. This is bad. That's real man. for you to wear a Yankees cap the, in Camden Yard. Yeah. The group text is going to be aflame tonight. I'm probably going to get kicked out. Thanks a lot, Sarah. Man, oh, man. That. Wow, wow. Okay. Thank you well, to Price is Right rules. So. It worked. <laughs> yep. There you go. Todd, thanks for doing this. Thank you, guys. So good to be together. Dogs are an important part of our lives, and keeping them protected is a top priority, especially against nasty parasites. That's why you got to check out NexGuard Plus, a Foxaloner, Moxidectin, and Pyrantal chewable tablets. NexGuard Plus chews provide one-and-done monthly protection that kills fleas and ticks, prevents heartworm disease. Plus, it treats and controls roundworms and hookworms. That's a whole lot of protection packed into a delicious beef-flavored soft chew designed to make monthly dosing easy and enjoyable. So the next time you're at the vet, ask about NexGuard Plus Chews. They're the one-and-done monthly parasite protection you want for your dog. Used with caution in dogs with a history of seizures or neurological disorders. Dogs should be tested for existing heartworm infection prior to starting preventive. The NFL schedule drops this week, and you can be there to catch all the action live and in person with Vivid Seats. Experience every touchdown, every tackle, and every eye-popping play of your favorite team. And to kick it off... Vivid Seats, the official ticketing partner of ESPN, is offering you $20 off your first $200 ticket purchase with code BASEBALL. That's code BASEBALL. Download the app or visit VividSeats.com today. That's VividSeats.com today, code BASEBALL. Vivid Seats, experience it live. Bleacher Tweets. Already, Buster Bleacher tweets for Monday here in Oriole Park at Camden Yards. They're turning the lights off on us, but we gathered some you, good. Who would ever to... know you would close down Camden Yards? I know. Right? You <laughs> closed down a lot of other establishments here in Baltimore, yeah. but not a ballpark. That's, that's a good point, Buster. That's a, that, you know me too well. You know me too well. So we, so we today, Sarah and I and Todd, we were hoping around the stadium. We were doing man on the street stuff. Uh, we've got some questions. We got bleacher tweets from the actual bleachers, and Sarah put together a wonderful video on social media to play as well. We want to get your reaction to that. So why don't we go to the questions first, and then we're going to talk about what else we've been up to. So a little bit of a longer edition of Bleacher Tweets. So go ahead, Sarah. All right. Here's the first one. Who do they have the best chance of acquiring at the trade deadline? And this came from a Yankees fan. Also, just so you know, this came from a Yankees fan. Okay, what was the question? Who do they have the best shot of acquiring at the trade deadline? Wow. Uh, my What I was being told tonight was the asking prices were high and that they weren't inclined to do uh, anything tonight. But I've seen Brian Cashman work a lot of trade deadlines. He always waits till last second, and he will swoop in and make moves, in, uh, I think, on Tuesday. I can't imagine... In the prime of the careers of Aaron Judge and Garrett Cole and Giancarlo Stanton, 
that they won't do something before the trade deadline. I wish I had a specific name for you, but I don't have any traction on that yet. Maybe the Yankees don't either. <laughs> All right, here is our next one. Hey, I'm Ian. So I guess my biggest question when the Orioles coming up is if they want to make a late push, I think the uh, trade deadline's huge for them. So I guess adding some pitching and a few more bats would definitely be helpful. So it'll be interesting to see uh, what the Orioles do around the deadline. Yeah, and I mentioned, what would you guys think of my Justin Verlander idea, which I kind of harped on on Sunday Night Baseball tonight. Swinging for the fences on that one, yeah. Buster. I mean, imagine that. Just imagine that. Uh, all the circumstances, Taylor. You you have the Mets have have signaled to the industry they're ready to eat most of the salary. Billy Epler, though, today, saying we're not. this is not a fire sale, which I think is a little contradictory. But, but you know what? We know what they're willing to do after we saw the Scherzer trade. If they're willing to eat a lot of money— and the Orioles say, look, Jackson Holiday's off the table, maybe another prospect's off the table, but you can have the choice of the rest. It feels like something maybe that Verlander would consider being the fact that, you know, coming back here would be kind of a homecoming. I know you uh, you said the other day, like, would him and Kate Upton, you know, be up for moving to Baltimore? They don't have to move to Baltimore. Anne Arundel County is a beautiful place to live. Ever heard of Severna Park, Buster? It's it's awesome. Man, <laughs> you're going to be Kate's like real the, uh, estate agent. Yeah. I'll help him out. Yeah. Chamber of I Commerce know, over I know, here. I know realtors in the area. We could do that. Can you get a commission on this, Taylor? Is that what you're angling No, for? I would just do it for the love of the game, you know? Okay. I could never take money. No. You're so generous. You are a, you're, a, you're a prince of a man. <laughs> All right, and here is our last one. Could you just ask if, like, if you have any connections with Brian or, or how, why we wait until the last hour on trade deadline to do anything ever? That works. Because they wait for prices to drop. Yeah. I, I mean, they abs- I, he's he's a hundred percent right. I've seen Cashman go down to the wire time and time and time again, and boom, they make trades, and they typically get better. Most of the trades that the Yankees have made during Brian's tenure as general manager have worked out. All right, we got one more. So what me and Sarah were doing, we were going around asking Yankee fans, you know, describe the Red Sox in one word. We were asking Yankee fans if they should buy or sell at the trade deadline. Uh, We were doing a lot of different things. So one of the things, the buy or sell video that Sarah put together is on social media. We put it on your Instagram buster. It is wonderful. We're going to play the audio of it here, and I want your reaction to it. Should the Yankees buy or sell at the trade deadline? Never sell. Always buy. Never rebuild. Always reload. Oh, they have to buy. Have to buy. Buy. Oh, Always they, buy. They, they need to uh, get some more pitching. <laughs> buy whatever you can. Ooh. Ah, let's see. Buy. Uh, yeah. Buy. 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 Yeah, because our pitching's kind of gone downhill a little bit. Mm-hmm. Definitely yeah. buy. buy. Sell. Sell. Buy. Buy. Sell. Definitely sell. 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 How? Please sell. Sell the team? Sell everything. Wow. It really took a turn, too. I know, it did. At the beginning, I was like, but these are all fans trained by George Steinbrenner. Yes. Right? Buy, Mm -hmm. buy, buy. You know, because the belief is you don't win the World Series, and your year is a total failure. That was the tone of the first fans. And then the fans at the end are like, sell the team? Man, that (laughs) took a turn. And I saw another lifelong Phillies fan in there in the mix. She was amazing. Love her. Her Mount Rushmore of Phillies was all of them. All of them. And I could not agree more with her. Very nice. <laughs> yes. Well, what about you guys? What do you think? 
Buy or sell, Yankees. They got to sell. I mean, even if it's a soft sell-off, like... Do I sense a sandbagging Oriole fan? Yeah, I think that, that you'd say, like, I this mean, is the He does not want to see the Orioles in October. No, no, no. You or Yankees in October, you know, if they make it with that bullpen. Yeah. In the words of our great Yankees fan, sell the team. Sell everything. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I mean, wow, that sell is the just... team is far. Sell the team is far. But, you know, I... I feel his pain. You know, that, that yeah. was funny. That that guy was probably the most hesitant all day to be like, he mm-hmm. was like, he immediately said no before like the words came about, out of our mouth. And then he was like, so what are you going to ask me? <laughs> and then he was like, oh, you guys, you two, his buddies, like you guys are the ones to answer. And then he just took over. Yeah. Yeah. He just he got stole heated. the show. Uh-huh. Yeah. Stole that's, that's the show. What happens. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, so, very nicely done. Yeah. Thank you. It was a great weekend. So. I, I got to say, first of all, this weekend almost didn't happen because I had a lobotomy on Friday night, you guys, <laughs> and just uh, I had a six o'clock flight out of Islip on Long Island down to Baltimore, and uh, I arrived at the airport at six o'clock and uh, <laughs> didn't think anything of it. No one's told you that's not how it works. No, <laughs> no. Yeah, you'd think a guy who's traveled a few times. No, it just didn't, didn't happen. So I hopped in the car. Drove down here. We had to make this work, and uh, we spent some time at Pratt Street Ale House last night. Buster, fortunately, you were distracted you were away. on the phone. I'm waiting for text messages. I felt terrible, and you guys are all having beer, and I'm like, I got to do Sports Center. I can't do it. <laughs> it was it was research. It was all part of the research here, the beer drinking, and we missed you, Buster. But we got a little Dearly. bit of Buster, and we did the best we could, right? Yeah. Yeah, so we, we got by without you. We hit another bar. We hit I, the one next to Pickles and the bullpen. I'm sorry, it's section 771. I don't know. Met my brother, had a couple more drinks, you know? It was getting late out there. My bedtime alarm went off. <laughs> wait, yeah, so. wait a second. Sarah has a bedtime alarm? I do. Have you guys heard, ever heard of such a thing? No. I've never yeah. heard of mm-hmm. such a no, thing until last night off, when you told me It goes me off at 9.44 p.m. every single day <laughs> to remind me to go to sleep. You, so, you exceed your bedtime. bedroom alarm, your bedtime yeah. alarm by leaps and yes. bounds. Sarah. Yeah, it was tough. <laughs> yeah. Well, other fun things I learned. Todd can just—I mean, I know he's an artist, but like, he was like, "Do you guys want an ESPN logo on this whiteboard?" And he just sat down and whipped out an ESPN logo in a little, you know, in just a couple seconds. It was a hit. Pressure was on, you know, yeah. and I had to—I had to perform. You gotta—you gotta be part of the team here. We're all together, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. gotta gotta rise to the occasion, everybody. Well, he's the Todd father. Of course, he could do that. <laughs> yeah. you know? But you guys hadn't seen it in person, right? Right? Yeah. Yeah. yeah that's the thing about being in person. It's not. And and I will just say that part of the uh, part of the person on the street interview was a uh, number of people drawing logos, and mm-hmm. I was kind of mm-hmm. hanging back, trying not to be critical, <laughs> not to be that sports parent or whatever you're going to be. And um, some of them were good, but some of them were not so good. But anyway, <laughs> that must yeah, have hurt no. you. But they all tried. They all tried, yeah. and they all yeah, yeah. got an award. That's all. I'm sorry. <laughs> Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> we uh, we turned some things up around here. We So we did that segment. We did Melanie and Eduardo's segment in a TV studio. Um, we sort of barged in and kind of kicked the camera guy out. And it was, you know, a little raw. You know, me and Sarah, mm-hmm. we haven't been in many. Well, I haven't been in many press boxes. It's been a while for you. Yeah, so, you know, trying to navigate the decorum. And then uh, as you guys are recording, I almost fell through the wall. So you mentioned that. Uh, yes, I did. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So it, it looked, it was like a piece of cardboard that was like, I don't know, had like some sort of graphic on it and it looked sturdy, so I just leaned against it and not sturdy. Not I mean, you, you might have wound up on the IL here, Taylor. Yeah. I mean, that would have been tragic bumping up against the trade deadline. I mean, it was really, really awkward. <laughs> I, I feel like Eduardo like already thinks lowly of me, but I feel like that really just. No, Eduardo was excited to meet both of you in person. I doubt it. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get some feedback and report back or not. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, Eduardo's the nicest I guy know, in the I world. Know. I'm kidding. Of course. Yeah. Of course. Any other things for? From the weekend that's that are jumping out at you guys 
other than Buster just desperate to go home and go to sleep. Yeah, and trade. I don't blame you. Trade. A lot of trades. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just locked into trade mode right now. I feel like a border collie if, if, with a bunch of herd of cat, you know, herd of cattle. I was putting together, you know, our document for the podcast, and I'm like, oh my God, Jordan Montgomery got traded? Like, I had no, no idea. No idea because we've been marching around the stadium. So, you know. Yeah. A lot of people on the Orioles side did see that. Yeah. And yeah. Jordan Hicks. These are, it's that time of year when oh, teams yeah. are like, did we get that guy? Did we get that guy? Oh, geez. One of the Orioles hitters were like, yeah, Jordan Hicks, what I know is he throws really hard, and they get to see him in the next few days. Uh huh. Any good nuggets from the Orioles or the Yankees when you're chatting with them? Well, my favorite story was about Gunnar Henderson. I told this story on air tonight. Uh, Freddie Gonzalez, the Orioles coach, told us this, that Gunnar Henderson is like this high-energy player, and he refers to him as Clifford the Dog. He said, you throw <laughs> a ball and he chases it. He said when he was playing third base, there was a pop-up behind, short, behind shortstop in front of the left fielder, and Gunner took off after it from his position at third base. And when he got back to the dugout, Freddie was like, "What are you doing? <laughs> like, like, what are you, are you? You're not going to get that ball, and you're supposed to stay at third base." A- and then later on, when they moved him to shortstop, Gunner went up to Freddie and goes, "Now I get to roam." <laughs> High energy guys. So I lo- I, yeah, I love that. Uh, and we had a lot of fun debating amongst our Sunday night crew about what, why Aaron Judge didn't play on Sunday night. Makes very no weird. sense mm-hmm. to me. Makes no sense. He was to me. Very I get weird. it. Night. I get it. It's a load management thing, and you got to rest guys. And I'm just like, wait a second. So a guy can pinch hit. He was available. He was in full uniform Sunday night and ready to go. He can pinch hit, but he can't be a DH for four plate appearances. You'll never convince me that that makes sense. Yeah. No. I'm sure Yankees fans calling for Aaron Boone's head as we speak right now, shrieking on the internet. Uh, another thing to note, Cedric Mullins, he is doing BP. He looked okay. You know, I was checking in on my guy. His abs look great. <laughs> I'll, I can note that as well. You know, Buster, I know you won't go into details like that, but I will. So uh, here we are. I, I, I know <laughs> that I cannot assess hitters in the cage. <laughs> so, no, I won't go into that. Uh, he's not going to be back for a couple more weeks right. is what we hear. But they're excited about that. And then they'll move Adley Rutschman down to lower in spot in the order. Yeah. Can't run. That seems important, right? Yeah. That would be a thing for Cedric Mullins. Yeah. 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 All right, guys. Well, this was awesome. Yeah. Well, thanks for doing this. What a great weekend. Yeah. Thank you, guys. All right. Fantastic. Well, that's it for tonight. My thanks to everybody. Uh, Have a great day. We'll be back with the trade deadline special, which will be Tuesday. We're going to tape it right after we get done the Sports Center special. So we'll probably tape it about seven fifteen ish. Okay. And then we'll uh, be posted up within a couple three hours after we're done. Yep. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, we we will react to all the trades, and then we will have another podcast on Friday. But that's it for this week. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna be in person again for the Tuesday show with Tim Kirkshin, possibly a third. And and on Friday, you guys come to Montana. Hell yeah. Sure, yeah. why not? <laughs> Taking the show on the road going. as a permanent thing. It's like the Harlem Globetrotters. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. My wife would love that. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, remember, hate and inequality is something that we need to fight against every single day. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply.